Welcome back to Conspiracy Onila Podcast. It's episode 2 and we will be exploring about time travel, time slips, parallel dimensions and everything in between. For those of you who are new, this is a conspiracy theory and alternative thinking podcast where we will be exploring the strange, paranormal, unexplained and much more. I will present to you the facts, the stories, the theories and it's up to you to figure out the fact from the fiction. Let's begin our show with a list of facts that many of us know. I'm very sure of it since we've always heard it in pop culture and science fiction everywhere, time travel and time. So join me as we delve into the depths of the unknown. Your host, Mr. Afik Izuddin. So here are the facts. From what I've dug up, right, what I found is we actually don't really know exactly what time is. It's a form of measurement lah, in terms of seconds, minutes, hours that we actually spend in our daily lives, yes. But what is it actually? The present, the past, the future, some have theorized that the possibility of the future affecting the present, an unconventional take on the typical what happened in the past can actually affect the future. Well, from definition, time is a dimension in which events can be ordered from the past through the present into the future and measure of duration of events and the intervals between them. Alright, so what are the current theories that have supported the idea that time travel is even possible, right? The first one would be the double slay experiment. Lah. Okay, so hold on while I pull out the article from Popular Mechanics that I guess basically sums it up in a layman's term, right? So basically the article I found on Popular Mechanics states that okay, the physics equation that we actually learn in school don't work on an, auto- on an atomic scale. Lah. So we know that Newtonian physics explain what we can feel, what we can see, and Einsteinian physics explains the behavior of matter, light, and universe, and we observe a bunch of bizarre phenomenon that can't be explained if all these equations and mathematical laws are. So perhaps the most perplexing behavior, the two most perplexing behavior of atomic particles is the fact that there is quantum supposition, meaning that particles can exist at two places simultaneously that means at the same time and quantum entanglement meaning that particles separated by large distances can react to one another instantaneously suggesting that information can actually travel faster than light although there are other explanations for the phenomenon as well which I'm not going to go into basically I'm just going to talk about the double slit experiment so basically the experiment is that started out when physicists wanted to discover the wonderfully spooky behaviors of atomic particles through the double slit experiment so we know that light travels in waves and when those waves pass through two parallel slits right a single wave can actually uh, how do you say be separated into two different waves that run into each other which then creates an interference pattern lah. so when we actually shoot those two waves of light through a double slit they form some sort of some form of pattern based on the way their peaks their throws match up and clash lah. So when we actually shoot a single photon through, single light photon, we expect that it just goes through unchanged, but it actually won't. When we shoot a sing- enough single photons through, one at a time, alternating the slits, this form some, some form of interference pattern has the waves of light. So basically, that means that all the possible paths of these particles can actually interfere with each other, in- even though they actually like follow one possible path. Right. One one path that actually happened. So basically, um, to sum it up, right, in easy terms, right. Okay, basically, 
when the light photons pass through the slit, they tend to produce unpredictable results. Like I said lah, that like uh, a few unknown events can actually happen. So for example, we expect that event A to occur based on the experimental setup, but however, somehow the light particles know that it is being observed and event B happens, event C, D, E, so forth. So hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, right, it sums up that information can actually travel faster than the speed of light to affect events in the future which is actually mind-blowing uh. like you can actually like you can actually send information in the present time that of can actually affect future events uh, which is quite interesting basically actually the past can actually affect the future lah simply put it lah alright so the second theory is that the physical idea of a wormhole Currently, we already know there exist black holes in the the universe. Basically, a black hole just sucks everything, matter, light, everything, into it, and then it becomes a singularity. Yeah, like most of us have seen from Star Wars, Star Trek, and all that. So, in our known universe, we have a tiny, minuscule quantum fluctuations in the fabric of space-time on the smallest of scales. These include energy fluctuations in both positive and negative directions, often very close to one another. A very strong, dense positive energy fluctuation would create a curved space-time continuum in one particular fashion right another one would then create the black the black hole lah right so the wormhole is actually the so-called positive side of the black hole so if you connected these two curvature regions together you could for a brief instant arrive at the notion of a quantum wormhole so if the wormhole lasted long enough you could even potentially transport a particle through it allowing it to instantaneously disappear from one location to appear in another just like in Star Trek, Star Wars, any other science fiction the best example would be the interstellar movie ah, right? so the last theory that we're going to talk about is traveling at speed of light so we know that currently we can't travel at speed of light because there's a lot of complications to the human body right? even physical, physical limitations and all that so if we actually travel close to the speed of light you will actually experience a phenomenon known as time dilation which is your motion through space your motion through time are actually related by the speed of light the greater your motion through space the less your motion through time so an example would be imagine you had a destination that was 40 light years away and you were able to travel at incredibly high speeds without any of the repercussions over 99.9 the speed of light right so if you got into a spaceship traveled very close to the speed of light towards that star and then stop and turn around and return back to earth you find something very odd due to time dilation the length and the length contraction you might actually reach your destination in only a year and then come back also in a year but on earth 82 years would have passed everybody would have known actually aged tremendously this is the standard way time travel actually physically works it takes you into the future with the amount of travel forward in time dependent only on your motion through space and not time because time just time and space technically in this context time and space is definitely a different entity right so in the next segment right uh, we'll be talking about time travel paradoxes which is kind of interesting right so stay tuned and i'll further elaborate on the details Thank you.
Some of the interesting concepts surrounding time travel have to do with the idea of time paradoxes that can happen when time travelers actually mess with time. So, what are these paradoxes? Well, a paradox is a statement that, despite apparently sound reasoning from true premises, leads to an apparently self-contradictory or logically unacceptable conclusion. One best example would be, which came first, the chicken or the egg? None could not exist without the other coming first, isn't it? Well, time paradoxes are somewhat similar, somewhat similar, right? But they can actually lead to dire consequences. So here are some of the possible scenarios. The first one would be the butterfly effect, which is a reference to the chaos theory, where seemingly trivial changes can actually have huge cascade reactions over long periods of time. Consequently, the timeline corruption hypothesis states that time paradoxes are an unavoidable consequence of time travel and even insignificant changes can actually alter history completely. So for example, uh, there was one show about this guy traveling back in time, this group of scientists. Uh, one of them accidentally stepped off the so-called this magnetic mat that they had and he left a footprint, uh, basically a, a, a carbon footprint, a literal carbon footprint in the, uh, what do you call it, Jurassic era. When he came back, right, the world was turning upside down, man. So, like, it's possible, right? The second uh, paradox would be the predestination paradox, which occurs when the actions of a person traveling back in time becomes part of past events and may ultimately cause the event he is trying to prevent in the first place. This results in a temporal causality loop in which event 1 in the past influences event 2 in the future, so time travel back to the past, which then causes event 1 to occur and this circular loop of events ensures that the history is not altered by the time traveller and that any attempts to stop something from happening in the past will simply lead to the cause itself instead of stopping it. This paradox suggests that things are always destined to turn out the way they are supposed to be and whatever has happened must happen. Okay, so Sounds complicated, right? I give you a very good analogy. Imagine that if your lover dies in a hit and run car accident and you travel back in time to save her from her fate, only to find that on your way to the accident, you are the one who accidentally runs her over. Your attempt to change the past has actually therefore resulted in a predestination paradox. One way of dealing with this type of paradox is to assume that the version of events you have experienced are already built into a self-consistent reality and that by trying to alter the past, you will only end up fulfilling your role in creating an event in history, not altering it. The best example would be the Time, the time Machine movie in 2002, in which Dr. Alexander Hardigan, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, witnesses his fiancée being killed by a mugger, leading him to be a time machine to travel back in time to save her from her fate. And his subsequent attempts to save her fate, even though even though he tried so many times, she leads him to the conclude that I could have come back a thousand times and see her die a thousand ways and I still couldn't save her. And then, he travelled centuries into the future to see if a solution has been found to the temporal problem. And this guy found Uber Morlock who said that, you build your time machine because of Emma's death, right? If she lived, it would never have existed in the first place. So how could you use your machine to go back and save her? You are the ines inescapable result of your tragedy. Just as I am an inescapable result of you. So ultimately it comes down to like you're trying to prevent the person from dying or from getting into an accident, right? 
in the end you are the one who actually cause it and also if that if that incident didn't happen right it wouldn't have led you to traveling back in time in the first place to stop it right so if that event didn't even happen what's the reason that you even travel back in time right you'll be lost the next one would be the bootstrap paradox which is almost similar to this but the bootstrap paradox is a paradox in which an object a person or a piece of information is sent back in time which is results in a infinite loop where the object has no discernible origin and exists without ever being created it is also known as the ontological paradox and has ontology is a branch of philosophy concerned with the nature of being or existence so imagine that Josh Lucas, the guy who made Star Wars, travel back in time and give himself the scripts for the Star Wars movies, which he then goes on to direct and gain great fame for, would create a bootstrap paradox involving the information, as the scripts would actually have no true point of origin. A bootstrap paradox also could say a 20-year-old male time traveler goes back 21 years. That means even before he was born. He meets a woman, has an affair, returns home three months later without knowing the woman was pregnant so her child grows up to be 20 year old time traveler who travels back in time 21 years through time meets a woman and so on and so on and so on it keeps on going in a loop this was written by the american science fiction writer robert heinlein wrote a strange short story involving a sexual paradox in 1959 classic audio zombies basically it just sums up that you don't have origin in the first place origin ah so I don't want to pronounce that properly. Don't blame me, I'm Singaporean. So anyway, the next one would be the grandfather paradox. Ah, this is an interesting one. This time paradox gives rise to the self-inconsistent solution because if you travel back to kill to kill your grandfather, right, you would never have been born in the first place or would not have been able to travel back in the first place. Because it's a paradox, what right? So let's say you decide to kill your grandfather because he created a dynasty that ruled the world or something lah. You figure out that if you knock him off before he meets your grandmother, the whole family line including you will vanish and the world will be a better place. So according to theoretical physics, the situation could play out as follows. The first one is a timeline hypothesis protection lah, which is you pop back in time, walk up to him, point a revolver at his head. You pull the trigger and the gun fails to fire. Click, click, click. The bullet in the chamber have dents in the firing caps. But when you point the gun elsewhere, boom, it shoots. You point at your grandfather, click, click, click. It still won't shoot. So you try another method to kill him, but that only leads to scars that in the later life, he will just attribute it to the world's worst mugger. You can do so many things as long as they are not fatal until you are chased off by a policeman. Then the second one would be the multiple universe hypothesis. Okay, so technically you pop back in time. You will walk up to him, right? You point a revolver at his head. You pull the trigger, boom, he's dead, right? He's lying on the ground, blood everywhere, he's dead. You return to the present, but you never existed there in the first place. Everything about you has been erased, including your family, your friends, homes, possessions, bank account, and history. Basically, you're a man lost in time, uh. man or woman uh, in a sense. So you re-entered a timeline where you never even existed. Scientists entertain the possibility that you have now created an alternate timeline or entered a parallel universe, which we will talk about later. Lah. Then there is one more paradox. I think one more, is it? Yeah, yeah. this one more paradox, which is the let's kill Hitler paradox, which is similar to the second one that I mentioned. Lah, the What's it called? Uh, 
bootstrap paradox? No, no, no. Which is similar to the predestination paradox, the time, time machine, two thousand two. That explanation, right? So, okay. Basically, the let's kill Hitler paradox states that similar to the grandfather paradox also, which paradoxically prevents your own birth. The killing of Hitler paradox erases your own reason for going back in time, lah, to kill him in the first place. Furthermore. While killing grandpa might have a limited butterfly effect, killing Hitler would have a far-reaching consequence for everyone in the world, even if it only for the fact that you studied him in school. Lah. So the paradox itself arises from the idea that if you were successful, then there would be no reason to travel back in time in the first place. If you killed Hitler, then none of his actions would trickle down history and cause you to want to make him, to want to make you to kill him. Get it? I myself is lost. So, by far the best treatment for this notion occurred in a Twilight Zone episode. You guys can watch it, The Cradle of Darkness. That sums up the difficulties involving involving time travel when you're trying to change history. With another episode being from Doctor Who, which is called Let's Kill Hitler. Right, so nice. Ah, so now we're talking about the parallel dimension and the multiverse. From a definition-wise, hypothetically speaking, there's this hypothetical set of possible universes that have similar entirety of space, time, energy, physical laws and constants that describe them. There are many ways to categorize it. One is based on time, that means at the current time there could be a 25 year old you, a guy, and in another one could be a 5 year old girl, in another one could be a 85 year old grandpa, so the possibility is endless. Huh? In another theory, would be the concept that from a particularly important decision in your life, an alternate reality or alternate universe is created. One example would be what would happen if the World War Two didn't actually happen, you know, or what would happen if your parents actually never met? Will you still exist? So, the next would be the some of the theories regarding alternate universes. Are the first would be string theory, which some of us have heard of, lah. Keep on seeing it about very popular in science string theory string theory but we actually don't really know it so I, I'll try and explain to you lah. one of the most popular alternate universe theories out there is string theory in this theory we live in a 9 dimension multiverse with only 3 dimensions of those being visible to us honestly 3D is already a headache right? 4D is like what I, what I saw online was actually a cube inside a cube which which I'm already headache you guys uh, i think if you guys watch interstellar you understand uh. there was one section where the guy went into the black hole and then he went into the fourth dimension which is so oh my god trippy as f but you guys can watch it anyway um since we only exist in 3d our universe would appear flat as a sheet of paper moreover the way other dimensions or membranes will expand would be along the lines of time and possible situations. Since every alternate universe would have a slight change and since every single universe is possible under this theory, the alternative versions of our world could be nearly identical or totally different. So in some universes, we don't even exist man, apparently according to the string theory. Alright, so the second one would be the many worlds interpretation the many worlds interpretation is actually an interpretation of quantum mechanics that supports multiple alternate universe theories this theory suggests that every possible change in reality is actually real 
However, all the different possibilities exist in a bunch of different worlds. The best way to think about the many worlds interpretation is that the multiverse is like a tree with every possible quantum outcome acting as a different branch. In this theory, there are an infinite number of branch off worlds and an infinite amount of branches growing off each main branch. So if you arrive at school on time in one universe, in the manual's interpretation suggests that in another version of you, you could actually show up late for school or you could be at another place. There are many worlds as there are many possibilities in this one. So there are infinite possibilities. So in the manual's interpretation, every choice or hap happenstance thing that happens will influence the creation of new universes. However, all the universes that are created stop interacting with the universe that they initially branch off from. So technically, at that certain point of time, you can be late, you can be uh, early, or you can be somewhere else, or you could be eating ice cream in the library or some shit like that, you know. But after that, it just moves on from there. It doesn't affect each other. The last one, which is the many interacting worlds, is that the idea that many worlds interpretation makes a lot of sense, except the addition of that... Um, hold on, huh? Well, yes, scientists believe that alternate universes can and do interact from time to time. And especially on a quantum level. Uh, sometimes this can cause new universes to branch out, other times it can cause quantum particles to interact with each other differently. Large-scale interaction could possibly could possibly happen under this theory which means that it could be possible theoretically possible to find yourself in another dimension at random so all those Star Trek episodes were onto something uh, after all right you know like Mr. Spock and Mr. Spock in the future yeah so the last one would be the black hole universe theory which states that they basically confirm about the big bang right basically we all started from one singularity poof and then the universe was created and we gain a lot of evidence towards the idea that the universe is actually continually expanding. But what scientists haven't fully been able to prove is that what exists before the Big Bang. Recently, one of the ideas that actually the universe actually began has the interior of a black hole. In a black hole, all the laws of physics tend to wrap, warp and form a singularity like I mentioned before. Since the Big Bang happened from a point of singularity, that's one of the possibilities lah. No one actually knows what's on the other side of the black hole. So perhaps this theory explains what's really going on. Who knows, perhaps a white hole was where the universe began in the first place. So technically we don't know. The list goes on and on. But the most important concept to remember is that the possibility of a multiverse is definitely true. Even though it's theoretical. I mean, what would be the outcome or chances that two worlds collide and people literally pass on to a different dimension or timeline? One most... Uh, modern so-called take on this uh, theory would be if you have ever heard of the Mandela effect uh, which I'm I think I'm gonna do an episode about it lah in the near future so like time travel like if you actually did do it you would actually have inevitably caused a temporary loop a temporary disruption in the timeline lah, that you already existed in, existed in by going back can you imagine the repercussions of actually like seeing yourself in the past? Like your present self see yourself in the past. Like maybe it for example you you as a kid, right? You see yourself in the past uh you as an adult go back to see your younger self and you meet you two of you meet. Could there actually be like some form of uh repercussion, some form of like 
quantum interaction that can actually affect the whole your whole existence in the universe so it's damn scary yeah and then we get to imagine so anyway in the next segment right i'm going to share with you three time displacement and parallel dimension stories that i found that was so interesting to me yeah. like it's like damn creepy but at the same time it's like super super interesting so i hope you guys stay tuned and enjoy So the first story that I'm going to tell you actually came from a, if I'm correct, one of the British newspapers. They produced an article about it. A thief who goes back in 1967 from 2006. So there was this kid called Sean who was actually shoplifting in Liverpool back in 2006. He ran away from the security guard and headed down Hanover Street, trying to shake off the guard. Sean, 19, turned into a dead end street called Brooks Alley. By this time, he was actually out of breath and started to get a tight sensation in his chest. But he soon realized that actually it wasn't a problem with him, but more about the atmosphere around him. He waited for the guard to come around the corner, but he never appeared. So, thinking he had given him the slip, he sauntered back up and started to walk down Hanover Street again. But he soon realized that there was something wrong. The roads look different, the pavements look different. He noticed the cars that were driving by also look very old-fashioned and the roadworks that he knew were there were now gone. Soon he saw the people around him wearing strange clothes crossing over to Bow Street. He noticed that there were traffic lights where they weren't before and bushes growing around the Silesium near a bar that he recognized. So he carried on walking. Soon he began to feel that something was not quite right. Then he began to panic. Then he realized that somehow he had stepped back in time, and the time slip was not going away. Then he remembered his cell phone. Taking it out of his pocket, he tried to get a signal, but of course it didn't work, lah. Right. Eventually he began to really panic, and soon he spotted a kiosk selling newspapers and headed over. Leaning over the stand, he took a look at the front page of the Daily Post. There, in bold lettering, was the date. 18 May 1967. He wondered what to do. What happens if he can't back, can't get back to his own time? What about his family, his friends? So speeding up his pace, he reached H Samuel's, the jewelers, and tried to phone once again. This time it worked. Sighing with relief, he looked around and realized that he had returned to the present. But the strange thing was, he could still see down the the end of the road, people still walking around in 1967. It was like he was returning back to 2006, but at the end of the road, right, he could still be see people dressed in 1967 clothing. Uh. So by the time, by this time, right, Sean had seen enough, so he dived onto a bus to go home. When he was interviewed by the local newspaper later, he stated over four times the exact account. Now you may think that Sean is actually trying to make up the story, lah, just to escape from the guard, right? But the strange tale didn't end there. When the security guard was interviewed, so he stated that when he ran after Sean and turned down the dead end, he wasn't even there. He had completely disappeared. Sean had actually completely disappeared. When the newspaper checked out the facts with Sean's stories, right, they actually found that whatever he said was actually historically accurate, which is quite interesting, ah. So, in the second story that I'm about to tell you, it's about the man from Torret. This is where it gets even more interesting. 
So the story typically begins from many sources stating that it was a hot day in July 1954. On that particular day, a man was said to have arrived at Haneda Airport, also known as Tokyo International Airport now. And this man has been described as Caucasian looking with a beard. While his primary language is said to have been French, it has also been purported that he spoke fluent Japanese and many other languages as well. So, so far nothing extraordinary to note lah. The only thing is that in the next sequence of events, it then differs according to which version of the story one, in- one encounters. In one version, the man hands over his passport to be stamped and the Japanese immigration officer notices something strange. Whilst the passport looked authentic, the country where it was issued, Torret, was recognized as non-existent either by the officer or one or of his or her colleagues, indicating that the man should be taken away for interrogation. In another version, the man mentioned that he was from Torret and when the immigration officer did not believe him, he showed him or his or her passport lah. So, the location of Torret according to this man because he was trying to convince the immigration officers that Torret does indeed exist. According to the traveller, Torret was located between France and Spain and had been there for like 1,000 years. It had been in existence. Ah. When shown a map, the man pointed to the area occupied by the Principal Prin- Wait, ah, I'm, I'm Singaporean so I'm trying to pronounce this Principality of Andorra So basically it's just a country of Andorra lah. And was puzzled as to why his country was not was called Andorra on the map So both sides were re- refused to give in The Japanese officers insisted that Torret did not exist And the traveller argued otherwise Eventually the man was being held by officers As they were suspicious that he might be some kind of criminal or terrorist or what right so they brought him to a nearby hotel with I think some some sources say there was a window some sources say there wasn't a window but let's just assume there was a window but it was on the fifth story and the door was actually protected by two officers so they they continued uh, to conduct the investigation uh, for the rest of the day but they left the man there overnight so all his documents were actually put put inside the evidence locker and all that the funny thing is that uh, in the next morning, right, when the officers went to the man's room, they realized that he had just simply vanished and there were no signs of escape. In addition, all of his personal documents which may serve as evidence for his story's validity had also apparently disappeared in the evidence room. So even if it was like he was trying to be a like so-called terrorist criminal or some blue uh, white uh, what white collar criminal or what whatever, right? How is it that his all his uh, passports, his travel documents, and all that um, didn't even match, man? I mean, like it, one thing it didn't match, one thing it just disappeared the next day, and also when the uh, what do you call that? The Japanese uh, immigration authorities contacted the company that he was supposedly visiting. Lah. the company did exist, but the company did say that there was no such meeting. That was being uh, that was so called scheduled with this uh, this guy, uh, the, the man from Torret, because his name wasn't even mentioned. Uh. He just he just called him the man from Torret, which is damn creepy. Uh. So um, in the last story, right, we're gonna talk about Mr. Rudolph Fence. So the story goes that in 1950, a man with mutton chop sideburns and Victorian era duds popped up in the middle of Times Square 
witnesses said he looked startled and then a minute later he was hit by a car and killed. So the officials at the mock searched his body and found the following items in his pockets. A copper token for a beer worth 5 cents bearing the name of a saloon which was unknown even to older residents of the area. Second, a bill for the care of a horse and the washing of a carriage drawn by a livery stable on Lexington Avenue that was not listed in any address book, about $70 in old banknotes, business cards with the name Rudolph Fence and an address on 5th Avenue, a letter sent to this address in June 1876 from Philadelphia. None of these objects showed any signs of aging. Captain Hubert V. Rim of the Missing Persons Police Department of NYPD Right, tried to try using this information to identify the man. He found that the address on Fifth Avenue was part of a business. His current owner did not know Rudolph Fence. Fence's name also was not listed in the address book. His fingerprints were not recorded anywhere, and no one had reported him missing. So Rim continued the investigation and finally found a Rudolph Fence Jr. in a telephone book of 1939. Rim spoke to the residents of the apartment building at the listed address who remembered Fence and described him as a man about 60 years who had worked nearby. After his retirement, he moved to an unknown location in 1940. Contacting the bank, Rim was told that Fence died 5 years before but his widow was still alive but lived in Florida. So Rim contacted her and learned that her husband's father had disappeared in 1876 age 29 he had left the house for an evening walk and never returned so here are the facts of the story the story was first published a number of times in the 1970s and 80s as fact until 2000 after the spanish magazine mas Allah published a representation of the events as a factual report folklore researcher chris albeck investigated the descriptions to check the veracity his research led to the conclusion that the people and events of the story invented all were fictional, although he could not find the original source. So, there was this pastor named George Murphy claimed in 2002 that the original source was from either a 1952 Robert Heinlein science fiction anthology entitled Tomorrow, The Stars, or Collier's magazine from 15 September 1951. The true author was the renowned science fiction writer Jack Finney, who lived from 1911 to 1995, and the fence episode was part of the short story I'm Scared, which was published in Korea's first. This meant that the fictional character and the source of the story were, were finally identified, lah. so everyone thought. So no copies of the story were ever found, so Finney died before he could even be questioned. Lah. That, that apparently la, there were rumors going that it was actually a science fiction story but here comes the twist so in 2007 a researcher work, working for the Berlin News Archive found a newspaper story in Archives from April 1951 reporting the story almost as it was reported today this newspaper archive was printed some 5 months before the short story sourced has the origin so what what's even order is that a number of researchers claim that they have found evidence that the real Rudolph fence and proof of his disappearance aged 29, 1876 in some documents found in police uh, archives. So the interesting thing is that even though mm, it was spread, spread out to be like some sort of science fiction story, rumor and that, right? Finally, they've actually in 2007, they found some, credi some 
credible evidence that this man actually disappeared and reappeared so there is some truth to his story lah so that's all the three stories that I can find that's so interesting with regards to time travel and all that so it's up to you lah whether you want to believe whether time travel is actually possible because in our local context we don't really listen to a lot of time travel stories and all that or, or any rumors and the the news also most of it reports on local local stories um, local news local government government uh, and all that stuff so technically we don't really get all these kind of stories so you have to search the internet for it and I know some of it are difficult to believe but and even then then I mean like you, you have to think who came up with the story and even if they did come up with the story and it was fiction right what actually made them what actually gave them the inspiration for these kind of stories to to be written and if it were actually true could it actually be that we already know how to time travel it's just that maybe through the years we could have like the government has been hiding it from us the fact that they can actually time travel or, or only a certain number of people are capable of doing it we never know man so yeah that's that basically sums up our discussion on time travel So that's the end of episode 2 Time travel and time um, Stay tuned for the next episode of Conspiracy Only Live Podcast Where I think I'm going to talk about the Some heinous crimes in Singapore Those crimes, despicable crimes That not a lot of people know So please do email us your ghost stories Paranormal experiences Anything strange you want me to discuss Or even future topic suggestions to me Via conspiracyonila at gmail.com And of course spread the news That my podcasting channel is available on SoundCloud And you can look it up on soundcloud.com Slash conspiracyonila All in small caps So do subscribe and follow And spread the word And if you are interested for an interview Or you want to join me for a talk You can just uh, contact me through the email uh, Thanks a lot I'm your host Afik Izudin Signing off